0: This is a Sound Health Radio Show with Richard Talk to Me Guy. And as we know, Sherry Edwards is out working on the soundhealthportal.com. I highly recommend going to the Sound Health Portal, seeing what the campaigns are. The campaigns are the programs that you can do a free trial of, and all you do is sign up for a, uh, you just sign up, and then you can pick the campaign that you'd like to have your vocal vo- print run across or run through, and I, I, one of my favorites is neuroplasticity, because it looks at how all the interactions in the brains are happening and what might be a case of too much or too little, or which oftentimes is a marker of you're not assimilating correctly if it's too little or too much, actually. You can do the same thing, just swings of either direction, which I know we'll talk about some of that with today's amazing guest, Udo Erasmus we'll be talking about things that are too high and too low. And so you sign up for a free account. You pick your campaign. There's also bio diet and PTSD. And I think uh, Corona conflict is still there. And I'm not sure what the newest campaign because they rotate them frequently and you sign up and it'll walk you through doing two 45 second recordings right through your computer. I do advocate for having a mic Uh, like the Samsung Go mic, which is a very cost-effective mic, on hand. And it's also really nice to have on hand because also since everybody's zooming their brains out these days, it really improves the audio quality to have a microphone versus just yelling at your, what I call yelling at your computer. And that improves the intake of the information from your vocal analysis at the Sound Health Portal. So the Samsung Go mic can be found at Sound Health Options at the store and or it's it's generally around, but it's a great value. Don't underrate it. It's a really surprisingly good mic for something that's only like a finger long. It's really quite surprising. So you do the two 45-second recordings. You submit it with that, and within two to 24 hours, you'll get a, a report emailed to you with all sorts of information. I suggest you sit down with T and review it, because there's a lot of information in there. And then if you have a practitioner who's open to that kind of idea, I highly recommend taking it to them and sitting down and talking with them about, oh, what can we do about this? Is there something we can do about that? What do you think about this? It's a lot of really great information. Then, in order to find a replay of this show... Uh, If you go to soundhealthoptions.com, click on the radio tab and then click on Sound Health Radio, you'll see the link to this show, the flyer and the link to this show, where you can go back and see the show notes and anything that I add to the show notes after Udo and I talk. And or at the very top now of that page, you see links to either Stitcher or Pocket Casts, which are podcast aggregators or players you could also go to iTunes or dog catcher or podcatcher any number of catchers i think on uh, ios there's one called podcast i think it's just called podcast and you can search in any of those for sound health radio or talk to me guy all one word i like Pocket pocketcast which will ask you to sign up but it's a free account and they don't spam it, they just need it because then if you use it on multiple devices, it will track everything and keep everything synced across all your devices. And with PocketCast, you'll find this link there probably in about 30 minutes to an hour at the very most, just depends upon traffic on the net. And you'll be able to listen to it. And I like PocketCast a lot because it's very easy to share. You just click on the three dots, choose share, and you'll be able to share it to friends because there's information in here with Udo, who has decades of experience and, wow, what a lot of great information. And with that, in 1983, Udo Erasmus began to pioneer technology for pressing and packaging edible, fresh oils made with with health in mind by excluding the three main factors, light, heat, and oxygen, that can damage nutritious EFA-rich oils and turn them into toxic ones. Udo published his first bestseller, Fats That Kill, 1993, which became recognized as the Bible on fats, then authored a condensed version called Choosing the Right Fats in 2001. He co-authored Omega 3 Cuisine in 2008, which includes original recipes by celebrity chef Alan Rodinger. To set new standards for food oils and other health-supporting consumer products, the Odo's Choice Health product line was created in 1994. The Odo's Choice brand includes EFA-rich oil blends, probiotics, digestive enzyme formulas, prebiotic fiber blend, a super greens blend with fermented greens, and pet supplements. Since 1986, Udo has given thousands of live educational talks and media interviews. Udo is a regular contributor to Anthony Robbins' UPW and Life Mastery programs. Recently, he worked with National Geographic Explorer TV as a health expert for an up-and-coming documentary and worked with filmmaker Jeff Hayes on a documentary about how fats affect health and weight. He is currently working on the latest books, including one on fats and oils due out in 2021. Today, Udo joins us to discuss his latest book, Total Sexy Health: The 8 Key Parts Designed by Nature. Welcome, Udo.
1: Hi, glad to be on.
0: <laughs> you must I mean, get tired of hearing your bio. <laughs> That's well,
1: I'm surprised, I'm surprised uh some of the less known facts that you came out with. I'm not sure where you got that. That's pretty that's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And, and by the way, I, I've put I've put Tony Robbins on hold so I could do this interview with you.
0: Oh, wow. Thank you. Thank you very yeah. much. <laughs> I'm certain you'll hear about that later. Wow. Um yeah. so I want to start at the I know we're here to talk about sexy health, but this so leads to it. How did pesticides change your life?
1: <laughs> well, you know, most of my uh, my contributions have come from personal disaster. And uh, the the work that I did on, on oils and making oils with health in mind came out of pesticide poisoning, which... Uh, was a decision I made to spray pesticides as a job, so basically eight hours a day, five days a week, after my marriage broke up and I wanted to kill something. This is a true story. And uh, I was super careless. I walked through what I, those lawns, I walked on the lawns, I sprayed barefoot until the the skin peeled off my feet, the bottom of my feet. And then I wore rubber boots, but I was I was doing it in a bathing suit because I wanted to get a tan, and it was in summer, was the was the high season, and I wanted to have a tan. So the wind would drift the spray on my back, and I was really careless. I was really careless because I was really upset. I knew better. People asked me, "Don't you? Aren't you worried that you're going to get poisoned?" I said, "Nah, I'm immune. This <laughs> is like I think some people call it testosterone poisoning. It happens to young men so they <laughs> have their first serious." serious uh, uh self imposed screw up <laughs> and uh and so i was so that's what happened i- got, I got poisoned by pesticides that I sprayed carelessly, and I went to the doctor when I got poisoned I said, What do you have for pesticide poisoning and she said nothing and that was the day the penny dropped for me that my health is my responsibility. I kinda knew it you know it's like we all kinda know it <laughs> but you know we really know it when we get our nose rubbed into it and so i basically i had background in biology in sciences and biological sciences and the biochemistry and genetics so i was pretty good in the world of molecules and i decided i if i if i did the opposite of what i did to get poisoned then i should be able to reverse it and so it meant eating better and it meant not spraying pesticides, obviously. And, and then I was looking in the, in the research about health and nutrition, disease and nutrition, because the idea was, well, if the body is made out of food, it's actually made out of food, water, and air, but I was thinking food at that time. If the body is made out of food, then if you increase the standard of the foods you eat, you should be able to rebuild your body. And in fact, 99% of the atoms in your body today will have been removed and replaced without you even noticing if we meet again one year from now. And because the body turns over, so it's like the body is a a major construction site all the time. And it's uh, it's so effective. It's done so well that we don't even notice. We even hang on to our stupid ideas through all of that. And a year later, we still got the same stupid idea and we got a completely new, new body, right? So I thought, so if I raise my standard of nutrition in one year, I can rebuild my body to a higher standard. And whatever that standard is, is going to reflect. That's why, you know, junk food, junk body, good food, good body. So, so, and so I started to take that on and I started to read in the journals because there's a ton of information in the science, you know, from, from research. In Medline, there were, I think, 16 million citations, 16 million studies were listed. And I looked at, uh, I got stuck on fats and oils because that was the area that was most confusing, most misrepresented in the marketplace. Uh, they're the most sensitive of our nutrients. The, the ones that we need, the good ones, and they're damaged by light, oxygen, and heat. They need the most care. We give them the least care. And I thought, oh my god. And then omega-3s were established as essential the year after I got poisoned. So it's 1981. I got poisoned in 1980. And and when I and 99% of the population doesn't get enough omega-3s for optimum health, they're a nightmare to work with. Every cell needs them. And if we're, getting, if we're not getting optimum, then there have to be symptoms in every part of the body that would improve if we could bring, in, bring them in undamaged, made with health in mind, and make sure that we optimize their intake. And I had an orgasm that was like, oh my God, I could help, so, we could help so many people if we could make oils with health in mind and then bring back the missing omega-3s. We could help so many people. And that just lit a fire in my, in my belly. And, I'm, you know, I'm still, that fire is still roaring. Only now it's broader, you know, because, uh, you know, basically I want I anything I can do to elevate people's quality of life. That's what I want to do. That's what I want to do with my life. Eight billion people could live their lives lit up from within because the light's already in us. It's called life. It's the master within us. When we do that, you know, so we need to look into it instead of looking away from it. What we're mostly doing, looking away from it, into into the world of surfaces of things. If we look into that, we will feel so cared for because life takes perfect care of our body 24-7, 365, lifelong, never takes a day off. You know, even if we hate our life, it takes care of us. And when we do that, we will feel so cared for that we won't steal each other's stuff. And when we stop stealing each other's stuff, then we can live in harmony together. And when we live in harmony together, making sure that everybody's basic needs are met on a moment-to-moment basis is actually very easy to do. We're wired for that on the inside. We just need to Mm -hmm. look on the inside to, to, to
0: discover that wiring. And I'm going to I'm going to step back slightly. I know we're not talking. We're not completely here to talk about oils, but I'm talking to you. I have to talk about oils a bit. (laughs) If we if we did, I'm not saying we should eat junk food, but if we ate well,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and we ate clean EFA oils, do you think that would? How how much would that improve or? Reduce our level of inflammation since inflammation seems to be such an issue right today
1: I let, well let me let me make it personal i'm seventy eight I don't have any aches or pains in any of my joints, anywhere in my body. I should wow. have my, All my yeah. brothers and sisters do I, I don't have any. But I'll I'll say it another way. The research says that if you increase omega-3s in your diet, and provided they're not damaged and don't contain toxins, like many of the fish oils, uh, toxins and damage, because they're very, very, very sensitive. They're even more sensitive than the oils I work with. If you increase omega-3s in the diet, and they're not damaged and not toxic, you can improve virtually every major degenerative condition of our time. That's a summary of the research that's been done in the, in the past 30 years. Why, why is that? Because every cell needs them. And what we've, we've measured, we work with athletes, we, we put them on a tablespoon of an oil blend that's called Udo's oil, that is a, a basically all the good stuff from fats and none of the bad stuff, balanced properly, made with health in mind, in glass bottles, in box to cut the light out, to rate it, so that we're taking care of these oils because they're very, very sensitive. If you take a tablespoon for 50 pounds of body weight per day and you're an athlete and you work your sport to exhaustion within 30 days, of taking a tablespoon for 50 pounds of body weight per day, mixed in food spread out over the course of the day, your performance in your sport will go up 40 to 60%. That's what we measured in a study we did in Denmark with, with uh, strength athletes and, and uh, uh, um, what do you call them? Uh, endurance athletes and very consistently happens. Runners, cyclists, bodybuilders, boxers, uh, martial artists. So we had a wide range uh, and consistently 40 to 60%. Why? Because they're the energy molecule. They're the highest energy molecule of any of our essential nutrients. But they're also the most easily damaged. So the two go hand in hand. What, what is chemically active that increases your, your chemical activity in your body that gives you energy is also most easily damaged when you when you when you're sloppy with it. That's why you need to take care of those oils. Never use them for
0: frying Fried oils fry health. And so. <laughs> that's a long answer. A long no, answer. no, no, that that's no, no, no that's a great answer. That's a <laughs> great great answer, and and it leads me to a question of. So I'm surprised they haven't you know you haven't disappeared been disappeared because it almost sounds like you're not advocating for carbohydrates as a fuel, fuel, fuel source. You're really saying fats are a healthy fuel source for our bodies.
1: They, they always have been. Shocking. No, they always Shocking. have been. No, no, I'm, know, not,
0: no I'm being facetious. I'm being no, no, I know. In, in
1: 1980 or 1979, when the, when the McGovern report came out on nutrition and health, and they put the carbs on the bottom of the food pyramid. In other words, you should eat more of that than anything else. They put the fats on top. In other words, you should eat, eat less of those than anything else. It was completely wrong, and overweight went from 25 to 60% of the population in the next 20 years using that stupid food pyramid. But I'll tell you why, why it's always been fats have always been the more important fuel is first of all you can if you carb load and people used to do that running marathons you carb load you can you can carb load about a pound of carbs but they only get you 20 miles that's all the energy you can store from carbs in your liver and your your muscles as glycogen and and then and a marathon is 26 miles so about mile 20 you hit the wall you run out of energy then it takes time to turn on your fat burning mechanisms and and so you drag yourself the last six miles across the finish line on the marathon. So we said to, to marathon runners, because we understood the science, we said, listen, you're doing it wrong. You shouldn't carb load. You should carb deplete so that you get all your fat-burning mechanisms turned on and you run the whole race on fats. Because if you're 8% fat, which is pretty good shape, and you burn half of that and you weigh normal, which is 154 pounds, that's average weight. Women a little less, men a little more. If you, if you burn half of your body fat, so from 8%, you're down to 4% body fat. If you burn half of that fat, you could run 300 miles on that. And so we told marathon runners to do that. And a lot of them, they said, no, 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 you guys, you, you must be crazy. And a few of them took us up on it. They said, wow, this is amazing. When I, at the end of the, at, at the end of the race, I felt like I had enough energy to run another one. And we actually had, in fact, the, the person who ran the, the, lar- the longest distance in 24 hours in North America did it using that oil. And he said that it increased his, his energy, his, his staying power, by about 25%. He ran 152 miles, which is six marathons in 24 hours. Ultra runner, Scott Jurek. Wow. Pretty, pretty, pretty amazing accomplishment. So, so we should and, – and then look at how do we store energy in the body in the form of fat? Not only does it keep us warm because we don't have hair to keep us warm like the animals do, but it's also our energy store. There's people who are saying now that <clears throat> the reason why human beings survived in Africa in the old, 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 old days – was because they had more fat in their body than any of the animals. They're usually two to three percent body fat. They could literally run them to death. So they couldn't run faster, but what they could do is they could run more steady for a longer time. And so what they would do is they would run after whatever their their animal was that they were hunting, and it would run get ahead of them. But it wouldn't. But they but they would catch up before it could eat and digest everything, so they would keep it running, keep it running, keep it running until the, the, the animal actually got exhausted, ran out of fuel, the fats in its body, then they would kill it. Now, you, some people may not like that story. It's a story from our past. Why human beings were able to do that is because their body fat was more in the neighborhood of 8% to maybe 12%, and if they were sedentary, maybe 15 or 30 or 40%, you know, you could, you could, your body could be 60% fat. And you'd be able to run 12,000 miles on that if you were super obese. And not just from inflammation, but from, from, so fat has always been our major fuel. Even the carbs, when you eat more than you burn, the body turns them into fat for storage. It's efficient, you know, nine calories per gram instead of carbs, four calories per gram. And so you have this storage, and when the famine hits or you don't get to eat, then your fat you can live off your fat, so to speak.
0: So in history, it's been observed that we, as human beings, learned to hunt from watching wolves, at least in the United States that I'm aware of. I'm not sure in other countries, but that there are native cultures that learned to hunt from watching wolves, and wolves were never out hunting berries. (laughs) Wolves weren't eating trees. They were hunting right. other animals, and so right. perhaps we learned. We had that intelligent carryover of like, oh look, these animals that we respect and how they hunt are killing things and eating their fatty organs and eating their livers and eating the fatty flesh.
1: Mm-hmm. Maybe
0: we benefited from following nature. What a shocking idea! Nature might know something. Yeah. Oh no, I, oh,
1: and I'm sure that we, I'm sure that we learned learned hunting from hunters. You know, uh-huh. and, and actually, the wolves used to hunt in packs and the way they would right. do it, they didn't have as much body fat as we did. So what they would do is they would they would do it in 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 groups. So did we, but they would do it in groups and and then they one some would run and the other ones would rest. But they couldn't run as long as we could either because they were only two to three percent body fat, maybe up to five percent. They couldn't run as fast. So they had to run faster. And and take an animal down quicker than uh-huh. we would have to. Do. We could literally just outrun them, Any any pretty much because all of the creatures in nature are are relatively have a relatively low amount of fat in there, unless we domesticate them and then overfeed them and and right. they don't get any exercise. So we can make them fat too, but but in their in their natural wild habitat, they they were low fat animals. The, the wolves too, right? They're so they're hunting wow. Therefore,
0: it had to be a little different. Right. And that's probably why polar bears are up there eating fatty seals and why Eskimos do so well. I mean, have you done – I didn't mean to go this way, but I can't help it. Have yeah, you done yeah, research yeah. on Eskimos on how – because they eat a, such a high level of fat. I mean, they eat yeah. seal fat. Yeah. They go out of their way to consume fat, their yeah. nature or their – world is such that they understand that fat is what they need to survive in that really brutal environment
1: right not only fat but omega 3 fats because ah. they are they they are the fat burning fire starter they're like they they're like super super fuel and in when it gets cold you need more heat so in order some of that fat is burned just to keep your body warm that you need that uh, mm-hmm. and they and, but the other thing that fats do that carbs don't is fats give you stable energy. You don't get your blood sugar going up and down and your insulin going up and down and, your, and your, uh, uh, your fat production going up and down and your mood going up and down and your cravings going up and down. Carbs do all of that. They turn off fat burning and turn on fat production. If you eat more than you burn, what you don't burn has to be turned into fat. That's the law in the body. So, um, so and, and fats give you stable energy. It's they're not. It's they don't feed. They don't feed your blood sugar. They feed into the Krebs cycle, the energy production cycle, as as uh, acetates, which is two carbon fragments that that are are uh, cr- produced when fats are burned down, two carbons at a time, long chains, chopped apart, two ca- two uh, carbons at a time. And then they feed into the energy production cycle, but you get stable energy and you don't get all of the all of the rest of that. And the omega threes actually turn on fat burning actively. The the saturated mm. fat don't turn on fat burning actively, the omega threes do. And the omega threes turn off fat production actively. And the only way wow. that you can that up is that if you take omega-3s who do all that and then you you pile on eating a lot of carbs on top of them then the body will prefer to to burn the the carbs first because if you get too much blood sugar it's toxic so the body will will burn carbs first but not for best health or better fuel for health long-term sustainable
0: and perhaps it's the action of the body to burn off the carbs first because the body's going, let's get that out of here. That's useless. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly. just like, what is that?
1: Exactly. And then the people who interpret it, they can interpret it two ways. Say, oh, well, obviously that's the best fuel. No, it's the most dangerous fuel. So the body gets rid of it as fast as it can.
0: Right. Right. Wow. Okay. So I'm going to stop that because <laughs> there's so much there. I knew oh, this yeah. would be this way. Is yeah. how do you go from being the nutritional oil maven? Not that you've stepped away from that at all, yeah. but to creating the book of Total Sexy Health, the eight key parts designed by nature. How did yeah. what was that shift? Was there an aha moment, or how did that occur?
1: Oh, well, the the shift came gradually, and, and it was like this. I I was going out. I did about like five thousand lectures, five thousand talks in forty countries traveling uh, six to nine months on the road every year for 15 years. And I would, I, would be, I would meet people who some of them knew more about health than I did because they had been listening to every expert on every field of health that came through their town, and they'd just be, like, they'd be there and they're taking notes and they have, like, books of notes. And I've seen some of those. Right? Do, you know, they'd get really good information. And I would give people really good information that if put in practice, would get really good results. And people weren't. They they got all the information, and they thanked me for all my great information, and then they went home and never put it in practice. And I said, why is it? And, of course, it applies to me, too, and it applies to you, too. Why is it? We We all know more than we put in practice. Why is it that when we get good information, we don't put it in practice? And I thinking about it is like well i think it is because when you're not inspired it's really hard to change so they so it's not enough to give information you also have to inspire people and what has what is inspiration inspiration is your energy goes up and the that energy lifts you out of your mental ruts and li- getting lifted out of mental ruts is very important if you want to make changes. Otherwise, change is too hard because we have habits. We have habits of thinking and then habits of action that come from those thoughts. And unless we can find a way to change those thoughts by changing the habits that will then change our thoughts, it's really hard to get people to change. You know, and, and I think that's not true only in health, that's true in politics too. Why is it that people, you know, people are supposed to be human beings and look at the fighting and look at the, 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 you know, the, you know, and then they have I, this is my truth and this is my truth and they're both just ideas. And then they fight about that like it was the truth. That's how stuck we get in our thinking when we're not inspired. So I, I realized, okay, well, as important as good information is to inspire people. And then when they make the change and then they see results, then they begin to change their beliefs. And then they create, they, they end up thinking different as well as eating different. So, and then, and then I said, well, then it was like, well, what else affects health? And I started thinking about it. I said, well, you know what? Actually, everything affects health. Everything affects health. So, how you feel inside affects health. What you're thinking affects health. How, how stressed you are affects health. What you're eating and how you're moving affects health. Who you hang out with affects health. What's going on in your, in, your surroundings, in your environment affects health. And how you feel about being a little body that is terminal. Because the body is a terminal condition, right? A little body in a huge universe having you know having the chance to take the human journey for for a relatively short time and being okay with that and knowing that like being aware of it but being okay with it too and and all of that and then where your awareness is like how aware are you of what's going on inside of you every one of those affects health and out of that came is, is, there a way that we can put that together to begin to create a teachable field of health, as well as a teachable field of human nature. And the book on total sexy health, the eight key parts designed by nature, is an overview of the whole picture. That's, and, and I've been, I knew I wanted to do that when I was 38. When I was 56, I still wanted to do it. I said, I'm not immature enough yet.
0: <laughs> and
1: I published that book, I think, about two years ago, because now it's like I better get, I better get it done before I check out. <laughs>
0: right?
1: <laughs> so, but, it, but it's, it's it, and, and my feeling was, all, was that I don't want to just do psychology. I don't want to just do mind stuff. I don't want to just do body stuff. I want to do all of it. I want to be competent in the whole field. And I happen to have the kind of mind that may, that makes that possible, and I find it obsessively interesting.
0: Well, I find it as I reviewed the book. Mm-hmm. I think it's so fascinating that it's almost like a it's almost like a guidebook to understanding the importance of self care.
1: Yeah. Of, yeah. Because.
0: Yeah. Right?
1: Because. Yeah, because, you know, we we live, the way we live is we live sort of from our skin outward most of the time. And we're always dealing with what's coming at us in the environment. And we spend very little time actually being present in our own existence. That's like we're living in survival mode, reacting to our environment. But you know what? We're not going to survive. So... <laughs> And there's something in us, if we could get in touch with that, we could actually thrive, even though one day the body's going to finish. And there are things in us that don't finish when the body finishes. Like life is energy. And energy cannot be created or destroyed. So when energy and your life part company, the energy doesn't end, it just goes elsewhere. And your body is finished because your body is completely dependent on the energy called life, you know, that comes from the sun, is trapped in green plants, is stored in the bonds between molecules that, that we eat, and then break down, that energy is released. That's what we live on. So sunlight is our life. And if we do an internal, if we, the, you know, from the outside. We could think of it as sunlight. From the inside, if we, you know, it, the question would be, what would it be like to be energy? Well, that's what internal practices are for. That's what Socrates would talk, talked about when he said, know thyself. You know, he didn't say know everything but thyself. That's what we do. He said the unexamined or the undiscovered life is not worth living. Because within us, if we get in touch with that, the energy that is our life, that energy is formless, indestructible, ecstatic, powerful, masterful, perfectly loving of the body, unconditionally loving of the body. You know, and I was born in a war, so I bitched about the war till I was 27. The war ended when I was three, but I was bitching about it until I was 27. One day I was sitting around and saying, it just occurred to me, wow, through all my dramas and all my traumas, and it was pretty intense, but through all my dramas and all my traumas, something inside of me took perfect care of me. I have never given that any attention. I have never, ever said thank you. I have never got to know it. And I was like, well, that's stupid. (laughs) <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe I ought to make friends with this thing that has cared for me so beautiful through everything and does that when I'm sleeping and does that when I'm awake and does that when I'm, when I'm in crisis mode in my mind, that energy just takes care of this body. And so that was the, the beginning of a turnaround for me to spend more time trying to be present with my life, not just in reaction to the, to the outside world. And, 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 yeah, go ahead.
0: Well, I was going to ask why, why do you think, or what have you observed that we, and I include myself in this, we seem to resist being versus Doing. We seem to think that doing is being.
1: Yeah, no, well, and and let's talk about how stupid that is. You know, if you ask yourself, what's more important, being or doing? Well, you can be without doing, which means sitting still. So you can just sit still and not do anything. But you can't do without being. So being (laughs) is actually more foundational. It's actually more important. It's important because without being, there's nothing. Without doing, <laughs> there's still being. Right. And, and so why is that? i I, I tell you, um, you're not going to find this in a science book, but I figured that in, in my own thought process. So when you're in your mother's body, every one of us was in a mother's body at one point. And I call it that the Buddha tank, the womb, the Buddha tank. Why Buddha tank? Well, because we were in there. There was nothing to do. There was not, nowhere to go. Everything was taken care of, and it was relatively safe. And so what you were doing is you were, you were sitting in this little aquarium. You're going to hang it from a little string called mm-hmm. the umbilicus, right, umbilical cord. And your awareness, because it had no place to go and there was nothing to do, your awareness was at rest inside, in its source, in life. That's the Buddha state, the enlightened state, lit up from within. So you spent whatever, however long your mother was pregnant with you, you spent that time in that state. And then you came out into the world and all of a sudden, everything wasn't taken care of. You had a mother to take care of it. But now you had to cry when you were hungry, cry when you needed a diaper change, cry when you're tired, cry when you were stressed, cry when you're cold, whatever, whatever it was. And you didn't have much to do other, other than you could cry and smile. And then you had to get to know the world because now your survival became an issue. So you you learned language, and you learned communication, and you learned the names of things, and you learned about what's dangerous and what's not dangerous, and you learned, you know, so we learned all of that stuff. And in in the process of getting to know the environment in which we live, our awareness went from being present inside but absent outside to being present outside but absent inside. So we disconnected from the core of our own being with that disconnection began a discontent. And that discontent is almost everybody's driving force. And, ev- and what we do out of that discontent, we're, we're not necessarily consciously aware of it. But the hope is always that if I succeed in what I w- go out to do, I will somehow feel taken care of again. But the disconnect is on the inside. And so the reconnect has to be on the inside. The disconnect is from being. So the reconnect has to be to being, not doing. And that requires us to sit still, shut off the outside distractions, go into our breathing, bring our awareness into that ache that you feel in your chest when your distractions dry up. Because that's the, the pain of our disconnect from ourselves. And when you sit with that disconnect, a hair behind that is your connection. And there's where your peace lives. There's where your unconditional love is felt. There's where your intuition comes from. There's where your insights come from. There's where your answers live. Any, any of the questions you have about living are answered by life within you, can be answered by life within you should you be willing to take on the the how do they say that an mission impossible should you decide to take on that mission right and then when you can get in touch with that and you start to go there on a regular basis you your life changes the quality of your life changes most of what we need for quality of life is not stuff on the outside but is to be in touch on the inside
0: And it seems like when we're operating from a position of being in touch, I'll Mm -hmm. step step slightly slightly sideways for just a moment, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. I'll pull up an odd reference. I'll talk about Bruce Lee. Mm -hmm. When you would watch Bruce Lee in performance, when he was really fighting, Mm -hmm. there would be that moment, and with any great martial artist, you'll see them what I would call drop in. Mm-hmm. And I don't know I don't know how to express that in any other way other than there's just that moment where they're just and they're there and then they yep. can take on everybody that comes toward them because they're completely in that present moment. They're not thinking about the next moment. They're taking care of what's in front of them in that moment. And it makes yep. them an amazing uh, I'll use warrior because I don't have a better word competitor mm-hmm.
1: because mm-hmm. they're
0: completely there. And so if right. we have this state of being in combination with fueling our systems with good fats and healthy foods on the verge of bliss, aren't we? Kind of? Yeah, the bliss doesn't come from the food. The body no, comes no. from the food, right? Right, but right.
1: Yeah, what you call Bruce Lee dropping in, you know, some athletes call it being in the zone.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We're talking about the same thing. And what right. happens when, when what happens is when I'm when I I'm present in that I, when I reconnect, I feel cared for, I feel whole, I don't need more stuff. Now could the question becomes instead of now going out and saying, what can I do that will get me taken care of? Now what I'm saying is, okay, I'm taken care of. Doesn't have to be about me about me anymore. What needs to be done around here? that's what happens when you feel fulfilled when i don't when i didn't feel fulfilled cuz i spent 30 years before i started doing the inner track what i was always looking i was always a getter you know whether you like to admit it or not when you're discontent you're a getter because the drive to to reconnect the drive to become con- content is really powerful drive our driving force and i was always looking at what can I do that will get me taken care of? And I wouldn't do certain things that needed to be done because I couldn't see how they would take care of me. Now I feel taken care of. Now I can look at the world and I say, Ah, oh, let me take it on. It needs to be done. Everybody's life could be better. Let me take it on. Global thinking is no, is, doesn't take any more energy than, than minuscule thinking. You know? Uh, you can think thinking big takes no more energy than thinking small, but because I feel taken care of, it's not about me getting ter- taken care of anymore. It doesn't have to be about me anymore. Now it's like, wow, wouldn't it be nice. And it is possible because we're wired for it. Wouldn't it be amazing if 8 billion people lived lit up from within in harmony with everybody's needs uh, met on on a, on a, glo- on a on a long-term, sustainable basis, absolutely possible. We're wired for it, but we can't get there if we can't. We can't get there for the world if we can't even get there for ourselves. So, number one job is go to the place where you feel taken care of, and number two is help as many people as you can in in the same direction.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think that when we were back to talking about the cave dwellers i think that when we were cave dwellers we were much more in the moment because it was a requirement of survival which is not a great place to operate from but when we were cave dwellers it was pretty much go out get food and don't get eaten and get back to the cave with food but even so so, we were were more in the moment in that we were hypersensitive aware of everything around us if you were a lumbering cave dweller you would probably last long, because you didn't right. see a tiger coming upon you, and once they mm-hmm. were upon you, might as well just, yeah. you know, go. Yeah.
1: So yeah. we were I much more say, in the moment. Yeah, I would say cave dwellers were more in the moment on the outside, in their surroundings, but no more present to the magnificence of their own being than we are. Only we're safe now, so we we just distract ourselves with entertainment and you know, crazy, crazy stuff that we do, and sometimes really beautiful stuff we do, too. I mean, symphony orchestra is not required for survival. Right. <laughs> but it's beautiful, right? so, right. so, so but, but it's a distraction from survival, because we don't need survival. But it's not the same as being filled with the light, you know, seeing the light that you're filled with, and living in the feeling of that light. Because that's beyond the music and it's beyond the dance and it's beyond our imagination. So the so the cavemen were so and the cherished state and the state of the masters and the state of the master called life within you to be fully present in all of my being and my surroundings at the same time. Because when when that's possible and I'm not lost in thoughts and fears and memories and traumas, if I'm not in my head in that stuff and I'm fully present in all of my being and fully present in my surroundings at the same time, life becomes very easy because it's just a matter of life responds to what comes up without having to be afraid and without having to be pushed and without having to be threatened. And that's a very different kind of life. That's what I call thriving. You know, when what, what, the, what, what the, the wise people who lived in touch with life all said is put first, make getting present in your life, in the gift of life that you have for now. Make that your priority and everything else will fall into place. I can tell you from my experience, it is exactly true. Because when I didn't put it, and you know, what we do is they said, put it first. We all put it last. But even if we put it last, because we run out of distractions and we still feel empty and we still, you know, finally we go there and it's, you know what, even if we put it last, it still works. But it's really, uh-huh. it's a lot smarter. You know, it's a lot smarter to put it first. And now that I understand, I actually put it first. Uh-huh. I get, when I get up in the morning, the first thing I do is I spend time with myself, checking in, getting present. And then I go into the day and my days go well. And I I don't get freaked out by every little thing that happens. And I, you know, and I'm not on a war path because somebody said something or looked funny, who knows what that was about. You know, I don't, I don't interpret uh, the world in a paranoid way.
0: Well, and I, I look at the world and I, and I see people, and I can certainly get on a soapbox and be ranty and not quite ragey, but certainly cranky. I can be professionally yeah. cranky because yeah. of so many things that I hear and talk with people such as yourself that have solutions that we could be using. But where's yeah. the self-care? But that's a whole other show.
1: Well, that is, the is, that, that is the self-care, to get yeah. present in your own being. Right. You know, life is perfect health. So if, you, if, if your body has cancer, you know, and, and we are not, you know, if I say to you, hey, Richard, whose body is that? And i pointed point at you. What do you, say, what do you say? It's my body, right?
0: I'm not certain of that.
1: Okay, what would you say? <laughs> well, you're okay. You think too much. But most people. I think,
0: you, I think too much. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. But most people, if you, if you point at, at them and say, whose body is that? They'll say it's my body. But, you know, they just, you just, they, they just busted themselves. <laughs> because if that's your body, then you are not the body. So then who are right. you? If that's your body, the body is your possession. That's what it means, my body.
0: Mm-hmm. My
1: body means I am not the body. I am the owner of the body. Who owns the body? Well, life owns the body. Runs everything omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient in your body, everywhere present, all power and all knowing in your body, runs the show, weighs nothing, and that's the owner you are. So how well do you know the owner of your body? How well do you know yourself? And that's why Socrates said, know thyself, but not, he didn't say, know your toenails. (laughs) He He didn't say, know your stomach. Right. He said, no, yourself and yourself is the energy called life. And most people don't know that. And because they don't know that, they're, they're, they feel disconnected and they don't feel whole. But I could have, you know, my body could have cancer. I could be, I could be, my body could be wrecked and on its way out. My mind could be completely disorganized. My social group could be a complete dysfunction. And my environment could be a disaster area. And the energy that I am as life is not affected by any of that because it's formless and indestructible. Formless and indestructible, perfect health. Perfect health, even when everything else is completely screwed up, it is still perfect health. And because we have perfect health in our body is why we can heal using you know, using the building blocks that are missing or getting rid of the, the the poisons that are present and making digestion work. That's why healing is possible. Because the standard for wholeness lives already within you even when you're sick.
0: And do you think it's possible that the first step of healing is that decision to Mm -hmm. allow yourself to be healed or I'm not quite sure of the languaging, but is is there, is there a decision there? Do you think?
1: Uh, Well, we don't, you know, we don't know enough. Most people don't know enough to make the decision, but if Mm. you, uh, if you understand that you are not sick, that you are whole, that your body is your body is is out of line with nature because fundamentally that's where sickness comes from interactions between molecules that should not be happening that's the level where physical sickness happens and so what do you need to do to get those those in line but if you have a belief in your head that oh I've got cancer so I'm I'm gonna die some people get the diagnosis and they're dead in a week because they buy it just like voodoo right You just Mm -hmm. incur because what the doctor could could have said to you if he was enlightened, he would say, "Your body is sick, but you are perfectly healthy." Now there's there's a certain amount of hope in that, Mm -hmm. and I'm not and I'm talking I'm not talking about making it up to sound good. I'm talking about that's actually true. Something in you cannot get sick. the awareness that is your foundation, that is also the foundation of the whole universe, that awareness can never get sick. That's beyond health. It's beyond death. Something survives the demise of your body. Perfect health is life energy. Awareness is beyond health. You have both of those in the space your body occupies. If your awareness is with that wholeness, do you think that might affect your health? Well,
0: mm.
1: if nothing else. If you feel whole, you're probably going to be be more inclined to eat simply and and uh, and clean. You're more likely to do that because you will feel so good about being alive that you want to extend the extend the journey. Right. Well, it also but if, it,
0: it also seems if we're if we're if we're paying attention or being yeah. that we're going to feel our body, our shell, that we're in agreement with something in the quantum field, uh, that that's ours for the time being. Yeah. I just feel like I'm renting uh, or leasing. Perhaps yeah. it's a long-term. I'm going with a long-term lease on my body. Yeah. And so if we have that, it seems the more we pay attention to being, the more we will, our we will just intrinsically feel how we are when we eat badly or incorrectly, or you know give our bodies the wrong fuel, have too much cake, have you know something yeah. Yeah. that's going to yeah. throw us all off yeah so we're going uh, yeah
1: there there are two things one is one is you will naturally gravitate toward better ways of living because you feel so good, and the second one is. You will not be taking your instructions from all of the stupid ideas that people put in your head or you came up Mm -hmm. with yourself. But most of our stupid ideas are are historical, hysterical, historical, right? But, but, uh, you know, when I like cancer is incurable, when I was a kid, they said cancer is incurable. When I was a kid, they also said the atom cannot be divided. Mm -hmm. And it was bullshit. It was bullshit because it's actually not true. And then one day the teacher came in and said, uh, See that section in the, your science book that says Adam can't be divided? Scratch it out. Adam's just been divided. Okay, so there's more going on. So we have a lot of really bad ideas about living, like war is inevitable. No, it's not. Peace, you know, peace is everywhere on this, on this planet, in the universe, in your body. Peace is, has always been everywhere. But only peace knows that. So if you can't see peace everywhere, it's because peace in you is not looking. So why are you not in touch with the peace that you also are? Because you are peace and you are life and you are your stupid ideas and you are your body and you are a member of, uh, of your group and you're a speck in nature and you're an infinite, infinitesimal speck in the universe. You are all of those things. So as awareness and as life, your whole body is, has form. It will lose its form inevitably. That's the nature of things. And, and we live most of our life by beliefs, many of which we're not even that conscious of. And so... Then it's like, we, well, I want to be long or I want to feel like I'm good enough so I have to be accepted by people outside of me. And if they have bad habits, I'll adopt their habits just so I can be accepted because I haven't even accepted myself. So if I don't have acceptance inside, then I'll be looking for acceptance outside. Well, by nature, the way the human being is built, the acceptance inside of self and the presence, the self-presence, is actually more important than the social support network. They're both, mm-hmm. They both have a place, obviously, because we're also social beings. But you can choose who to be with if you're free inside to be whole without help from the outside.
0: Well, and I think back to the uh, Bruce Lee image, in my mind, yeah. or the, what I would call the good Steven Seagal not the later years, possibly, <laughs> yeah. but the good Stevens at all, is yeah. that they could go anywhere because of who they were from within. They could go into any community because they had a. Now, in some cultures, well, in the wolf culture, we might have consider it to be the, the dominant characteristic of that person, but it was really, they were just so really totally centered yeah. and being that they could go anywhere and be okay because yeah. people don't want to, don't have a need to challenge being. They like don't know what to do with that. You're not in a state of contention, you're just being. So they could wander into any community and talk with any kind of personality because right. they just were. They had a sense of I am this person now. Yep. And they had an amazing sense of center.
1: Yeah. But 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 let's not talk about Bruce Lee and and uh and Stephen Seagal. How about Richard? How about Richard O and Udo Erasmus?
0: Yeah. To yeah.
1: be in that, because that place is in us, and it is more us than any other place we live. Certainly, more more us than our ideas. Yeah. And, and yeah. And 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 living is easy. So whether you're in a conflict situation or you're in a in a happy situation, you know, from that power that you have as life, and from the wisdom that comes with that power, you can address those issues and. And influence them in a direction of better quality. But you can't do that if you can't get to that quality in in yourself.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's why that's why the idea of every day, you know, spend some time working hard, spend some time playing hard, and then spend some time doing nothing, <laughs> <and sitting> still, <laughs> right? Because then you have balance. Sitting mm-hmm. still. Where? Where's, Mm -hmm. where's your value to yourself? Right. You, you, your car and you value, you know, you, you value your house and you value your stuff and your bank account and the people around you. Where's your value for yourself? And how do you think you can be of value to everybody else when you're of no value to yourself? Right. Because you don't value yourself even enough to be present in your own life. It's like, what the hell is that? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What is that?
1: What is that?
0: Oh yeah. boy, that's a whole other show. And that's the, um, whole, I,
1: yeah, and that's the right. whole, you know, that's the historical distraction. Right. And and there were always wise people who said, spend time in your own space, get to know it. You'll enjoy. You'll you'll love what you find. You'll enjoy what you find. It feels good. All your answers are within you. Why not Why not go to the place where you, where you can where you can be with that. And then you have so much more to give to all the other people, because you're actually fully present in all of your being. So you can then influence them in the direction of being fully present in all of their being. That's right. where
0: all the that's where the juice is. That's where the, yeah. all the
1: that's where the best juice is.
0: Right. Right. Um, okay, I'm surprised that and we mean, got here so soon. Yeah, <laughs> that-
1: so, when you live like that, you won't be committing suicide because you're depressed. There's right. no depression in light. There's inspiration in light. There's no inspiration. There's no, uh, there's no depression in
0: inspiration. Right. Right. And I have to ask you now, where can people find your book? I know that there's also a course associated with this. Would you, say, for the listeners, would you give with us that information? I already have it in the chat, at yeah. the show notes. But yeah. if you say that out
1: loud. Uh, yeah, the, the the educational stuff we're doing is on a website called theudo.com. That's easier than spelling my name. T h e u d o theudo.com. Uh, the 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 products that I work with on a different website, udoschoice.com, u d o s choice.com. And I'm on the internet. Uh, I'm on Facebook and I'm on Instagram and. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn, and so there's, I'm not hard to find. And we have, we are, we're doing some courses on mental health and basically everything that has to do with health and human nature. I'm interested in health, life, nature, and human nature. So that includes pretty much everything. <laughs>
0: that that That's pretty much is like, health, you're interested in everything. Yes. Yeah, kindred spirits. What are you interested in? Health? Everything. Yes.
1: Yeah. Under <laughs> the umbrella of health, I can address every problem on the planet, every issue right. on the pro- on the planet. Right. And I love doing that. I've wanted to do that since I was a little kid because I thought we, we could all live better than we do, uh, given that I was born during a war, and was right. a refugee kid at two. And wow. That, that rubbed my nose in it early when I was six. I said, you know, there must be a way people can live in harmony, and I'm going to find out how.
0: Right. That's and here you are.
1: When I was six years old, and I'm finally getting to it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's amazing. Well, thank you so much. And uh, we will do more of this. I just have a feeling there's going to be more of this. Um, right. And with that, everybody have a great rest of the weekend, and we'll see you next week. Thanks again, yeah, Udo. So. Thank you,
1: Richard. I appreciate it. Thank
0: Thanks.